Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Richard Porter. And I'm Johnny Smith. And this is Smith & Sniff, a podcast in which two friends talk about cars and this week answer your questions. Little sip of coffee. I've got my one of my favourite cups today. I've got my Volkswagen Beetle one that was actually from a Volkswagen UK dealership. Really? Mug. Yeah, my auntie got it for me for my birthday a couple of years ago, and she and I and, I, and it came in a box which had like an official Volkswagen hologram on it. And I, I, th- I phoned her to say thank you because she knows obviously I like Beetles. And I said, did you buy that from? VW and she went yeah I just went to the local dealer down the road Silver Street Motors and um just walked around a bit and then saw that and thought oh you might like that because it's got a, an old an old blue beetle on it and I was like that's lovely just going into a car dealership to buy a birthday present does anybody do that I thought it was great it's a good job she didn't go in and go um do you have any clothes any clothes that would suit because you oh. never know what horrors you might have ended up with VW trousers or something. Oh, imagine if they dug in the story around the back and they went, Well, we got some 90s Volkswagen motorsport trousers, you know, they'd be like that really lemon yellow. <laughs> we've, got, <laughs> we've got, um, we've got this uh, VW uh, tie dye t shirt if you're interested. <laughs> oh, yeah, or yeah, a global yeah. hypercolor t shirt with, <laughs> with a VW logo that appears when you get sweaty. Oh, that would be. That would be bad, wouldn't it? No, I um, I know what I was going to um, say. When You know, people, I, I've said this before, but you know people go on about sliding into the DMs? Yes. I've, I've, I've woken up this morning and I've gone, I know exactly what this should be about. It's not about Dr. Martins, which is what I first thought it was. <laughs> it's slang for driving moccasins. Because you know people that have specific shoes for driving, <laughs> and if there's if <laughs> you get all, hear me out, hear me out. Just <laughs> and what they actually mean is that they're, they're sliding in their DMs, and what that means is uh, f- just imagine for a second somebody like Tiff Nadell, and they've got specialist little dainty shoes on in order to heel mm. and toe, etc. In fact, mm. think think rough. rough Yellowbird 911 at the Nürburgring kind of thing, Nordschlow. Very kind of thin, wispy shoes, but of course they're classed as driving moccasins. <laughs> so if you say to someone, it could be the new thing. If you just say, yeah, I'm sliding in my DMs, you're basically, you're drifting in fairly bad shoes. And I think that could be a new thing. I'd like to, I'd like that to become a thing. Can we do that? Um, You've gone very quiet. I, but you do, you know, it's an existing expression, right? And it does already have a use. Yeah, but it's rubbish, and they and people use it in a sexual term, and that's just crap. It's just seedy. So let's just scrap uh, yeah, but it. I'm scrap just, it. I'm just scrap not, it. I'm not convinced that your hijack efforts would would get much traction because I think you know I don't want much traction because I'm sliding in my DMs. <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
God. DMs well, equals driving moccasins. Because, you know, moccasins. I have a bit of a problem with specialist driving shoes. Because oh, yeah. they, they're very rarely that useful and very rarely stylish. Unless you're actual Lewis Hamilton or someone who's in Formula One or, or another formula where it is useful <laughs> driving shoes. <laughs> or or an other formula. Yeah. Well, yes. you know, there's other formulas are available. Other formulae. some bloke going to a track day and you're wearing full-on driving shoes... You look like a prick, and it's not making your driving better. Let's just let's just get that out of the way. I think the problem um, is you is could if you're... achieve the same effect by wearing a pair of Converse. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, I was going to say Converse, something wispy and thin. I've got a pair thin of... Thin sole, um, thin generally, quite yes. tight-fitting to the foot. Job done. Yeah, I'm with you. The problem is, is if you're average at best at driving and you turn up in some very, very specific DMs, mm. I'm, going to, I'm going to start referring to them as DMs. But not Doc Martens because they'd be a really terrible driving shoe and a <laughs> very clunky uh, driving moccasins. I think you've got to be excellent in order to pull yes. them off, haven't you? And even then, I think you, you know a lot of handy drivers, or I know quite a few handy drivers. I don't think I've ever seen any of them wearing specialist shoes. No, never. No, never, never, never. In fact, no. one of them used to wear what looked like bloody winkle pickers, and I'm like, yeah, "You're going to get your foot completely clogged in the pedal box, and we're going to end up barrel rolling." I can see this now. No, it's true. Honestly, that is that is a. It's. I mean, we. I think we've both been there in the course of our professional lives. You, you some bloke who you know or suspect is a bit handy fetches up wearing fucking Wellingtons, and then goes out and knocks five seconds off the lap record mm. in a Citroen AX, and you go, "That's driving <laughs> skill, my friends." Your Pilotti's are not helping one iota with that because you're a fat IT consultant from Woking. Um, and that's, there's nothing worse as well. Have you ever been where you're in a petrol station and, and some bloke gets out of, it's usually a Cayman or something, and he's obviously been to a track day and he's still wearing a oh, driving booties oh, and possibly even the Nomex and then has to walk oh, across the forecourt no. to go and pay like he's shat himself because you can't walk properly in those shoes because the soles are too thin. It's true. you do, And you and because you're at a, a, a service station, you look like you're doing a desperate road poo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in session tonight, desperate road poo. <laughs> oh, anyway, dear. Um, so that was it, sliding in my DMs. That's yeah. it. I'm doing, it's happening. Well, it's it's yeah. becoming a thing. It's drifting in terrible footwear. <laughs> best of best of luck with that. Um, we promised last week that we were going to do um, listeners' questions this week, and so I've compiled a few that we've been asked on Twitter and in the comments section of our YouTube channel, oh. where these podcasts are placed, as well as all the other places that they live. Um, so, should we do some questions? Yeah. Absolutely, um, I'm ready. I'm just going to sort of dive in at random. I'm totes uh, ready. Stephen McNiven has been a bit greedy and asked three questions. Three? Uh, I'll start with his, yeah, we'll do at least one of them. Uh, <laughs> and the first one is, have you uh, ever slept in a car? Oh, uh, yeah, I think I've, to- I've told the story of me going on a stag do, um, where- which was supposed to be camping, and I turned up late. And everyone just just encouraged me to start drinking, and I never put my tent up. 
And so I ended up sleeping in the boot of my Mercedes. <laughs> and uh, wasn't your Mercedes a saloon? It would no. Luckily, this one was the estate, and oh, okay, right. I was in an absolute state. And I, I climbed into it, and then I realised that I had um, most of a V8 block in the back, um, <laughs> just surrounded by shreds of cardboard, and it was so heavy because it was an American V8, I couldn't actually move it, so I had to spoon it. Oh my so God. I woke up dry mouthed in a car that had blazing sunshine coming through the windows and I was genuinely spooning a 305 Chevy V8 which is a shit V8 anyway <laughs> it's bad isn't it it's quite bad it's, oh, and so it's, I I've, I have slept in a couple of other cars but because I'm tall um, as you are I find it very yeah. hard even on full recline whereas my dad on the other hand who is quite tall Quite happy to pull over at some motorway services at three in the morning if he's getting a bit tired and just used to recline the chair and sleep. And I'm like, no, that's how murders happen. Well, you lock the doors. I mean, I'm very envious of people who can sleep. I can't I can't sleep in chairs, generally, unless I'm really drunk and it's an armchair. Yeah, me too. Um, Absolutely, me nice too. warm fire. Can't, because it's like planes. Uh, I can't, on a, you know, in a sort of standard aeroplane seat, unless you're up the yeah. front in Posho, I, I can't. I can't sleep sitting upright. I have horrible time on planes. Yeah. Partly by being tall and partly by just I can't yeah. can't sleep in a chair. I have slept. This is starting to sound like a really sensible faithless track. <laughs> <laughs> I I once uh, did I supported some mates of mine who were doing a thing called the Thunder Walk, which is a 24-hour walk across the Brecon Beacons. That's that's a great idea. Yeah, it's intense. And I borrowed a, this was years ago, I borrowed a Land Rover Defender 110 as the support vehicle just because I wanted to drive a Land Rover Defender 110. Oh, and, yeah, um, right, right, right. But that's a very bony car inside. It's not a lot of soft feel surfaces and things, and the seats don't recline. You um, should have borrowed a Volvo, you tool. Well, yeah, but just anyway, my four mates finished the walk at I don't know six in the morning, I think. All piled. We got a hotel booked, but we couldn't check in till later. So they all piled into the defender, and they all went to sleep. Bear in mind, they'd been walking for twenty-four hours. They were very tired, but uh, but I I'd also been up because I couldn't sleep mm. in the moments when I could sleep as a support crew when they were you know between checkpoints i couldn't sleep in that bloody car even lying across the back seat because there's a lot of bits of metal that poke into you as it turns out i i, I just had a yeah. horrible time horrible time and then just and then i was just i realized i was just sitting in a very steamed up car with four sleeping men <laughs> for, for, and in the end I got, I got out and went for a walk around the town where we were but it was horrible the only other one I, I've, yeah, I mean, we've all kind of slept. I've slept on the back seat of cars and stuff, and, but but not very I, well. I haven't done it very never well. never very well. No. no, no, it's not a restful night's sleep. I had an Oldsmobile Cutlass that I think had a most the most successful back seat sleep in. But even when I say successful, it was probably three hours. Yeah, but it was very, very um, butterscotch coloured and quilty. Mm. The trouble it was, is, it's like falling asleep on your nan's sofa and they wake you up completely disorientated. The only thing that would put me off that is the thought that as your if your head was on the um, cushion of the back seat, the, the smells may be off-putting. There may be a an odour oh, that would be... Well, I mean, it's a it would have been a what? A six-owner, seven-owner car. Who knows what went on? I mean, that's the thing. You always wish cars could speak because some of the atrocities that they might have witnessed would be yeah, quite... Don't sit there! Don't, no, don't, don't. oh my God, oh, don't yeah, put you your mustn't head there. do that. You mustn't touch that. Don't ever touch that. Please don't <laughs> sit in the back. 
But no, I, I, so, I, I don't, I don't dig car sleeping. I think it's unrealistic. No, I would never, I would never go. Oh, a lovely, nice sleep in a car. It's an emergency measure at best, isn't it? That I think I've told you this story before about I, I, when I lived in a big shared house in Birmingham. Well, one weekend, one of my housemates had some old friends to come and stay, and one of them was a slightly strange bloke who we went to a house party somewhere, and and he got in a bit of a piss because not enough people were asking him about his bloody tefl course or something what and stormed off from the party and went back to our house but he hadn't got any keys so uh. he went and slept <laughs> in his shit old renault 11 which was parked outside <laughs> and a couple of hours later when we got back from the party my my <laughs> housemate whose friend it was sleeping in his renault 11 went he's always bitching about that car and how the handbrake isn't very good i bet we could push it down the street oh. while he's sleeping inside so we started pushing it but it wasn't absolutely perfectly parallel to the curb but it may have had a little bit of lock on <laughs> so what happens it started going across the street and we panicked because also it was very slightly downhill so it's hard to push it back to where it had come from so we went screw it we'll just keep pushing it so we kept pushing it it went across the street thankfully no car parked directly to the diagonally opposite and the back, one of the back wheels went up the curb a bit so it was sort of diagonally into the curb now with one wheel on the curb and the guy didn't wake up it didn't he was still inside on the back seat all curled up in a sleeping bag so we just left it and went in and went to bed and I was I had a room at the front and the next morning I was woken up by some sounds of sort of talking and a little bit of radio chatter outside and it was the police who had come to give a talking to to this bloke because they thought he was like some joyrider or that he'd driven the car to that position because he was drunk so they'd hauled him out and gone, what are you doing? Have you been driving this car? You stink of booze. And he got he got, he got got away with it, but he got a bit of a bollocking from brummy police people. Can, can you imagine and if he, he lost his life? he was furious. Oh, he well, must. yeah, that would have been bad. Yeah, he was really cross with us. Even more cross than when we didn't ask him enough questions about his stupid TEFL course. So anyway. I love the fact that he, he did it in the first place because he was pissed off. How far did you f- push the car from its original location? Just, uh, I feel I like I need to know. I need to draw a picture about, mentally. About, not very far, actually, just across. Our street was quite wide in a sort of quiet residential street. Um, I reckon probably about 15 yards. That seems quite a long way. Pure luck that just diagonally down the road, on the trajectory that the car inexorably followed, there, was, there wasn't a parked car on the other side. That's we just, were able to get it back into the curb, approximately. That so, is brilliant. Um, that is brilliant. Yeah. But, oh, God, he was cross when he came in the house. I remember there was a lot of banging on our front door and someone let him in. He was, yeah, anyway. Well, that answers uh, that question, I feel. There we go. That's kind yeah. of so, uh, uh, I'm not, Stephen, you've asked three questions, but that's just greedy. Someone else has to get a go. So um, Ryan Jones asks, what's with these people that sit behind lorries for miles and miles? Oh, on motorways or on back roads? I guess that's what, yeah, I think that's what you mean. I'm guessing motorways. I know what he means, and I think what's with them is that they're just not very good drivers, isn't it? No, I think they're they're skimflints. They're they're slipstreaming. Oh, do you think? Yeah, they're going all Kyle Petty. That's In their head, it's days of thunder, but at 56 miles an hour. (laughs) That's what it is. I've done it before in cars which, uh, you know, Uh. struggle a little. And I've thought, I'm going in. I'm just going to, I'm going to days of thunder this. 
and I'm slip slipstreaming a lorry. But then you're is... you're doing a maximum of fifty six, right? So yeah, I am. You're absolutely right. I'm <laughs> doing a maximum so of really. 56. I mean, I can't remember the last time I drove a car that topped out at fifty six. But I think it's I, bad I, driving, I, though. I think it's more bad driving because I have a mate who does it. Uh, I haven't been in a car with him for years, thank Christ. But he uh, had a number of really bad driving habits. Um, and one of them was, and I remember this distinctly once we were in a car, he had an old Mini, an old shaped Mini. And we were in Wales, maybe, coming down this dual carriageway, beautiful sweep of dual carriageway. You could see ahead for miles. <laughs> it was really quiet. And there was a dumper truck about sort of half in the middle distance. And we're scooting along at a reasonable speed. It was one of those late 1275cc minis, so it could clip oh, along. okay, I, yeah, yeah. I, I used to drive it, and you could get it up to 90. It was a bit exciting, but you could do it if you had a private test track, obviously. And um, <laughs> the uh, I know. Th- th- So there's a dumper truck, and that's the only thing we can see ahead, and it's a dual carriageway. And we went zooming right up to it, and then my mate actually braked behind it. And I went, why don't you just go round? And he went... Oh, oh yeah. yeah. What, like it was a revelation? Yeah. Oh, my God. And that's just bad driving. That's not thinking ahead. That's not considering all the angles or anything. That's just being myopic. He also... Yeah, that is... You're absolutely right. He did it loads. We drove from Cardiff to Edinburgh in a rented Fiesta. And because my mate had a Mini with a four-speed box, and he'd never driven a car with a five-speed gearbox... And so he always forgot to put this Fiesta in fifth on the motorway. And I kept on going, fifth, fifth, change up, put it in fifth. And then he'd inevitably accidentally put it into third or something. And it was just a complete saga. And I wasn't insured on the hire car. So I couldn't go, just pull over. Fuck's sake, let me do this. Because it was infuriating. (laughs) Pulling behind every lorry. And then finally, go go around it. Just go around it, mate. Look, it's clear. I can see it's clear. Go around it. Okay, I'll go around it. Yeah. Now change into fifth. What? Change into fifth! <clears throat> Sorry, I've, I've I, flashbacks I, to a I, terrible journey. <laughs> I, the, the forgotten, the forgotten final gear is is something that I've experienced a couple of times. Yeah, it can be quite it's, infuriating. It's really, really infuriating. Um, here's a question which I I quite like just because I, I kind of have an answer to it. It's what, Kieran what was that actual question? By the way, I've completely. Oh, is this what's wrong with people pulling behind lorries? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, they're just no good. That's what the yeah. problem is. Or they're or they're Kyle Petty. Or that yes, um, exactly. Slow Kyle Petty. Um, Kieran Atkins asks, why has no one come up with a better way of altering a rear view mirror? I know it's incredibly rare that you do move it, but when you do, it always goes just a bit too far. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. But does it? You see. When I learned to drive, the first car I ever drove was my dad's Peugeot 405, and it had exactly this problem. You had to you go to move it, and it's a bit sticky, and dunk, and then you've gone too far. And then I had my first driving lesson, and my instructor had a Toyota Starlet. Oh. And I went to move the mirror. What and it era? Was smooth. Um, so this was well, this was early nineties, and it was quite new. So oh, okay, so it was a nineties. One of those. Yeah, the last, the last. But one shape before it was replaced by the Yaris. I know the one for small Toyota fans out there. No, I, I, um, I, I, I'm, I like I like those. I do like those. I have to say, I do. I do. Well, I do like. So those. no, it was terrible. The Starlet was terrible. Um, but I didn't really hadn't driven any other cars. But even then, I go, oh, this feels quite mushy compared to my um, my dad's car. But the rearview mirror action was smooth and delightful. And so I think it's car-specific. I think some manufacturers who've got their manufacturing shit together, like Toyota, 
make lovely, fluid-moving, precisely adjustable rear-view mirrors. Yeah. And um, and some manufacturers who are a bit sloppier, like Peugeot in the 80s and 90s, they just, they, it's a bit jerky. But I have, a, I have a solution to Kieran's issue here, which is to buy a late 80s or into the 90s Mercedes SL, because I think, from memory, that was available with an electrically adjustable interior Oh yeah. Oh, I think you're right. Actually, are you? Um, do you say SL? SL. Yeah. Yeah. I think okay. maybe the S class. I was going to say. Well, I'm but... sure I've seen it in an S, which would have been mm. would have been W140. Is that the Di- yeah, Diana that era? Diana, yeah. Prince of Her Hearts, Princess. Yeah. Even. Those that generation of Mercs, which was basically that SL and that S class that they spent basically the whole of the 80s developing and then launched in the late 80s, early 90s, and they were sort of the last of the mega engineering Mercs. Yeah. And I remember one of the car magazines once sort of singling out the electrically, electrically adjustable central rearview mirror and going, you see, this is just excessive now. They've gone too far with their technology. But I could see the logic because I guess it meant they could integrate it with the memory seats. Ah, uh, yes. You, uh, yeah, so that, now that would... all of your mirrors came into line <clears throat> when you did your memory setting. I tell you so what, get one of those, Kieran. Uh, what, the one mistake I made with the rearview mirror uh, was two summers ago, my... Dodge, my old charger, the rear view mirror was um, was had seized, and I didn't want to kind of force it. Um, it seized a little bit too high, so I was just looking at the headlining, <laughs> and it and because it's only got one wing mirror anyway, I, I kind of need my rear view mirror on that car, and I I made the grave error of giving it a teeny little squirt of WD forty, which is your oh. normal solution to such a problem, right? Yeah, just a little bit of penetrating yeah. oil, but of course, then it goes really slack. Doesn't matter how tighten, tight, tight, uh, tighten all of the, the the screws. So now I I adjust it, and within a hundred meters of leaving my house, even on the smoothest of roads, it droops, and then it will droop again. And I'm adjusting my mirror probably every five minutes. So I've got to now take it all apart and spray degreasant in there, and maybe some sand. And some blue tack, <laughs> and, and then screw it all back together again. And it, it was one of those, like, you know, it took me a second to spray a tiny little toot of WD in there. I'm regretting it ever since, like a complete flute. <laughs> yeah, hey ho, DIY failure. I've got a good one for you uh, from Carl Barton. This is, uh, uh, your answers are going to be way better than mine on this one. Uh, he asks, "What's the furthest trip you have nursed a really dodgy car for?" Oh my gosh! Uh, this, well, there's the what the first one that that springs to mind is, um, and I'm not really that proud of it. And I think I've talked about it in a previous Smith and Sniff video. Was the Mark One Golf Diesel I bought from um, a, a place in Manchester? And um, I drove it home untaxed, and um, it was quite a good car. Very early diesel, like late 70s, I think, Mm. like 79. Um, The problem was, as I quickly discovered, is as soon as you exceeded 40 miles an hour, it just gave out these sort of, this biblical um, engine metallic clattering, Mm. followed by (laughs) white smoke and... Um, like real white smoke, like it, you know, you look like a red arrow. Um, do, doing a doing a shit display team, a, a display team consisting of one, and I, 
and it, it was appalling. So uh, what I did was I, I I threw the towel in and I pulled over and I and I, at the time I had a premium membership. Of, in fact, I've still got it of um, Britannia Rescue that's now called something else, and then they got bought by somebody else. But I'm still a member anyway. And I just thought I phone them up, I get it put on a lorry, and um, uh, back to my then girlfriend's house in Shrewsbury, and then I'll I'll tinker with it. Well, called them up, they went, yeah, no problem. Waited 45 minutes, the lorry came. As the guy was winching the lorry onto the lo- uh, the car onto the lorry, he, he said, hang on a minute, this hasn't got road tax. It's expired. And I went, oh, has it? And he went, and he just, he just pressed release on the winch and he went, can't do it, new company policy. And within, within, two, within two minutes of, of that conversation, he'd driven away and just left me on the side of the road. But by pulling it onto his lorry, he's literally making it more legal than it was. Well, so. I mean, I like I say, I was an idiot. I was young and dumb and shouldn't have done it. However, so no, he 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 drove away, and I was stranded. And now I was on quite a busy road on the outskirts of Manchester, where there is police presence. This was the nineties, and um, so I thought, right. I'm going to drive home, uh, back to my then girlfriends, and I'm going to go the back lane, super stealth, under 40. So I drove at 39 miles an hour on these, as many back roads as possible using, there was no sat-nav then, it was just a map. And I was so sweaty and tense, it was horrific. But my one take home from that was it was the first and maybe the only time that I've seen a Jag XJ220 on the road in the wild. Really? Coming the other way. Yes, yeah, so I was driving at a consistent 39 in my illegal car, and I go, oh, it's an XJ220, that's amazing. And it, it flew the other way, and it looked gorgeous. And that's me nursing, but I've also, I mean, I've nursed a lot of cars. The problem is I can't remember them all. I've, I, I, need, I need to bring up my list of cars that I've... My brother's done an amazing amount of nursing. He had a Morris Oxford for many years. I think he got it when he was about 19 or 18. And he bought it super cheap because it was a bit ropey. But him being an engineer, he just thought, I'll just service it. It'll be fine. And he was driving my, weirdly, he was driving to Oxford in a Morris Oxford, which is quite apt, (laughs) um, to see my cousin at university. And um, it dropped a piston ring. And then and then stopped. Uh, it must have damaged it, and it it, it only fired on three cylinders. Yeah. My, my brother continued driving it. Um, saw my cousin Rich in Oxford. Drove back from Oxford to Somerset in it, what? and then drove it to work. Dro- get this, he drove it to work every day for the next year. Oh my god! <laughs> on th- on three cylinders, one cylinder was just totally dead and just redundant. So it was it was very slow. It had no torque. It couldn't climb hills very well. But he just continued to drive it because he and he just he just serviced the other three cylinders. <laughs> I mean, my brother. <laughs> yeah, that poor car. It just used to just stumble on three everywhere. I have no yeah. particular affection for the Morris Oxford, and yet I find myself feeling really sorry for that car. That's like that's like car abuse. I mean, oh, it, it should was... be a number you can ring. Yeah, it is. It is a bit like that. You're absolutely right. It's sort of RSPCA territory for vehicles. Yeah. So I suppose those are my those are my two that I remember. I'll probably remember a couple of others in a few months, but we can always put them onto another podcast. I've just yeah. remembered something while you were saying about seeing that XG220. I don't know what it reminded me. Somebody, this wasn't a question, but uh, uh, you know, we were talking the other week about um, finding surprising cars in arduous locations. Yes. And um, 
a, 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 somebody i'm sorry I, I can't remember your name if you're listening but they said i think they're on twitter or on the, on the youtube comments saying that their dad got a new hilux pickup four by four and they went off sort of green laning in it very pleased with themselves and then had to pull over at one point to let a Renault Clio through. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. That was amazing. Uh, and that's, there's also... That's, that's, that is classic. That's almost Alps behaviour. There's a guy called Nir Khan on Twitter, who I don't know if you um, follow mm. on there. He's, mm. a, he's a car designer. And um, he said that his dad once convinced... Um, border authorities, I think somewhere in maybe South Africa, somewhere they, uh, to let him continue on a very tough road in an old shape Fiat 500. Uh, he convinced them to let him carry on because it was four wheel drive. And when they didn't believe him, he showed them the engine at the back and went, Well, see, look, it's got an extra engine at the back that does the back wheels, so I'm okay. Mm. And they believed him and let him carry on. So. So that is a even face from the A team couldn't couldn't talk his way into a situation I know, that's I know. fantastic Mr. Khan is quite the quite the smooth talker the the Fiat 500 driving face from the A-team that is <laughs> olden days I don't know when that was it was quite a while back I think because uh, he put a black and white picture of the car as well now uh, another question um, that is cool I like that it is good isn't it yeah. uh, oh, yeah. David McCarty asks uh, what is the car that will make you look the most well off for the price of an average German saloon well, my suggestions uh, are used obviously BMW i8 Range Rover Spoata he's actually written I mean he's not written it correctly but he's had a go oh, has he? it's probably or, quite um, a complicated spelling V8 Artronic oh see I wouldn't get the Artronic I'd get the Manuel if I was having oh my V8. gosh I, I have thoughts about, even though I don't actually like the front end of first-generation R8s, I still think a V8 three-pedal um, mm. would be a very good purchase right now. Yeah, they're sort of, they're still, they're not silly money, but they 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 have that definite whiff, more than a whiff, actually. It's got oh, a pungent odour of a car that will be coveted by people like us. And that always helps to keep values sort of solid, doesn't it? Exactly. So, and it well, it was so impressive, and it was the first of its kind. So the first of its kind is always going to get a bit more attention because it was groundbreaking. But, um, no, I'm, I'm down but, with it. But David's question is, what will make you look the most well-off? So, I mean, well-off. You see, I wouldn't well go off. Range Rover Spoat. Ah, no. A bit dodgy. Full-size Range Rover, uh, a bit in the right spec. People will go, oh, you've got a Range Rover. Yeah. And it's not a spoil. Yeah, and we fuss us over generations of cars, but you know, like normal people don't do this. If you've got an old shape Range Rover, which you know, and it was it was tidy, a lot of them aren't. A lot of them look pretty. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Scruffy these days, don't they? Because they've had sort of khaki aftermarket wheels put on and then yeah. a couple of bits of panel scuffage. But <laughs> you get a really tidy one of those with, with like the factory alloys, not too big, yeah. no chrome side steps or any of that nonsense. Just no. a nice sort of discreet colour, no window tints, any of that. No. And, and people go, hmm, someone's doing all right. It happened to our builder. We've got a guy who's done a load of work on our house and, and usually he turns up in his van and one day he said he'd come over at a weekend just to measure some stuff up and he fetched up in a... Sports. No, old shape, oh. full-size Range Rover, an L322, Jonathan. And, um, and my oh. wife went, anyhow, because we've, we've always said our builder's quite reasonably priced and then my wife was like, Paul's, Paul's doing all right, isn't he? He's got that Range Rover. And it was like a really early one of that shape. I had to go, no, that's like a 10 grand car. It's not... Uh, you so think he it's a 50 you. grand car. Well, no, no, I knew straight away, but my wife didn't. She oh, thought, okay, okay. So in, in a way, for someone in his position, it's a bit counterproductive because people think you're doing too well. That's the problem. Go, well, his prices must be too high if he's got a nice car, which is always a bit of a... It just means... You know, well, the builder near me, who's a really lovely guy, and he's you know a small-time builder, not a not a big... Guy, he's got um, he's got a nine nine seven um GTS. Really? Yeah. He he actually consulted with me before buying it. It's a lovely car. Now there's talking of cars that people who are into cars and driving covet. Yeah, they're pretty solid, aren't they? Because I always wait for those to become less money, and it never seems to. It happen. won't happen, Richard. It won't happen. Do you know why no. I'm going to buy it? I'm I'm going to. This question deserves um, another question, and that is, do you want to look well-off or do you want to look well-off old money spec? Yeah. Because as we've discussed before, old money isn't necessarily flamboyant. Oh, no. So Quite the opposite. So I, I, my... my I think my 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 hand in this card game I would put down right now. I would put down the very last of the Saabs. Is it the ninety five or the nine five? What did they call it? I think it was ninety five. Yeah, nine five. I would put down a really high spec last of those because I know the values of those are fairly buoyant, and people who know really know. Yeah. And based upon the fact that <laughs> having recently driven the, the, the Polestar 2 EV, so many yeah. people, myself included, when you look at the side profile, you go, is oh, that it's a new super Sabi, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's pleasantly Sabi. It's almost like was, what, Wasabi. 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 There's a youthful marketing campaign that Saab never engaged with before they disappeared. <laughs> no, that Polestar 2, I almost thought it's like Volvo being a bit sentimental and going, Here's, this is for you. Pour one out for our, <laughs> for our homies, for our trollhead and homies. <laughs> trollheads and homies. <laughs> that was so bre- that was so beautifully breathy and Scandinavian. I love that. That's a, a friend of mine went up to the very top of Norway and he said that um, everyone that he met you know, spoke beautiful English, but very breathy and a lot of oh. this. And he thought it was maybe it was the cold, but they, he'd sort of go. So, um, what time? Uh, is good to start, you know, to go for a cross-country ski. Bill, when the sun comes up at uh, about, uh, <laughs> it's so true. Eleven thirty. Like, why? Why, why are you? Is it? Do you keep getting surprised at how cold it is? It's just a um, massive amount of respiratory issues going on in. Oh, is it? In think? Norway. I, well, no, I don't. I don't actually know. I think it's just to do with the way that their language is delivered. It's part of the. Maybe. Huh. It's part of the um, linguistics. I think. Uh, but I'm um, just to go back to 
David's question. He's mentioned the BMW i8, yeah, uh, which I think is a good shout because they depreciate like a mother. Of, but they won't. They just... won't do for long though. I, I really. Would you have think... one? Is my question. Would you have an i8? Yeah, I would have an i8. Hmm. See, I think I would as well. I would have an i8 because I think it's it's consistently fascinating, and I think it's one of those mm. cars which there is an equal amount of engineering attraction as well as v- aesthetic attraction. Because I think it looks stunning. I mean, even if it had a completely different powertrain in it, you'd still think it was stunning. Yeah. You know, even if it had a V8 twin turbo, whatever. But um, I think it's great. And I think that it can't drop in value much more. I mean, I've said it before. I think BMW's i-series is the best best for design and ingenuity and out there. The i3 and the i8 are both amazing cars. Amazing cars in so many ways. Like the i3 cabin... Mm. St- still defecates over cars that are four times more of a, more expensive, I would say. Just in terms of, like, unique use of materials and shapes and packaging, I just think it's yeah. great. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, um, I'm gonna, I think i8 is a really strong shout. I think they've – but I think I, on, the, on the flip side, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of old money constantly in the background. Do, does, a, does, a, does, a, does a Phaeton come into that? Ooh, it's Phaeton. Yeah, you know, really, I mean, really well-appointed Phaeton. Yeah, not, not old money, but, yeah, it looked well off. Well, that's funny, isn't it? Because on the one hand, people might see it in profile and go, wow. It's a Passat. It's And in that black, because it's got that really rich black paintwork, and if you look after it, you know, that would look – Smart, yeah. But then people would see it was a VW, and they might be confused, and that might might undermine it. So I don't know. I mean, it's a good show. Oh, hang on, hang on. Hang on. I mean, um, but um, what's the car that John McGuinness bought a few years ago? He phoned me up when he was on the train going to buy it. Uh, it was a very random. Th- my phone rang, and I saw it was him, and I thought, oh, I've not spoken to him. You know, legendary Isle of Man <laughs> TT winner, and he was like, Johnny, I'm I'm on the train. Um, what do you know about Bentley Arnage T's? I went. Oh, oh uh, well, I, I remember going, I remember the launch of them. I remember they were really good. Uh, he goes, well, well, I'm on the train going down to Northampton. I'm going to buy it. It's a steal. I've, I've got to have it. It's a steal. Mm-hmm. It's never going to get cheaper. And he bought one for 25 or 27 grand. Oh. And I said, well, okay, John. I mean, you've obviously convinced yourself that you're going to buy it, <laughs> which is fine. But <laughs> if you want to call me when yeah, you see it. You're literally on the train to go and get it. Yeah, there was what no. What if I said no, well, this... they give you tuberculosis? What would you do then? <laughs> That's what I said to him. I said, what if I told you it was a really bad idea and that you'll lose huge amounts of money and it'll fall apart? But no, um, I actually spoke to him about two months ago and he loves it. He's, he's had it for three years or something now. Um, oh great! And he thinks it's stunning. And that car, when it was new, because you you'll remember that it was about it was very early two thousands, wasn't it? I mm, think mm. that car was a lot of money. Yeah, oh god, yeah. Was it a couple of hundred grand or like a hundred and seven hundred? No, I don't think it was over two hundred, but it was it was a lot of money. Yeah, if you sort of did some spec things to it. Yeah. And he bought it for twenty seven. I mean, you're going to need a few quid to keep it going, aren't you? But that is a car that you could genuinely describe as magnificent. Oh, it's. I think the proportions are great because it's the last of the old guard, I suppose, of mm. Bentley shapes. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's so refined and wafty. It's very breath. In fact, in fact, maybe it would t- you'd speak like a Norwegian if you drove around in it, and in, in a sort of a- Attenborough Norwegian. <laughs> David Attenborough. <laughs> the. Uh, quilted leather on the the seating area 
It's very majestic, you see. And <laughs> made in uh, crew, of course, yes. yes. Hey, now, um, sorry, look. I, I'm just going to have a quick look. Look, listen, look, guys, look. Uh, I've just had another thought, because I think your Arnage tea is a... That's a strong one. There we go. Imagine that as a two-car garage, an I-8 and an Arnage tea. What a great combo. And then we're, even if people went, ugh... Look at these. Just, I mean, look. It's just like you've got a big, heavy, thirsty saloon. Go, yeah, I've also got a hybrid. So knock it off. Exactly. Um, Do one. I um, I was just going to look up what the recently deceased Mulsanne is down to. Oh yeah. I mean, they're not going to be cheap, cheap, cheap yet. But I wonder what they have bottomed out at. Yeah. As of today, on Auto Trader, and the answer is. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, crikey. What? Holy mother. Oh, no, what? Is it good? I bet it's good. Bentley Mulsanne. Is this, this, this cheapest advert on Autotrader? Yes. Yeah. I'm going to say uh, 80, 80 or 90. Oh, Johnny. What? 46, 989. 46 sub 50 grand from Mulsanne? Yeah. I can't believe that. They, 82,000 miles. Hang on, they, so, they're I mean, 200 grand, aren't they? Oh, no, they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They were. They were. I see. I once went to the Bentley factory, and I'd always been a bit like I kind of like the Molsan, but I don't know. It never quite. I just well, it's got funny eyes. Yeah, funny eyes. Always looks like it's sort of cocking its ass in the air a little bit uh, for some reason. Oh, because the, the just, bum looks a little high. Yeah, yeah. And then I saw how it's built, and specifically how there's a weld on the rear pillar or the join. And they braze the mother-flipping life out of it. Yeah. And it's hours of hand finishing. And that was the precise moment when I went, I want one of these. Look at the work that's going into it. It's beautiful. This one uh, is uh, black. uh, And it looks, I've got to be honest, it looks mega. And... And it's, it's got black leather interior, which is quite nice and understated. Nothing too too silly and flashy, like you know, it's not got bright orange seats or something. It, oh my! You're going to buy. You're going to go and frigging buy it, aren't you? Bloody hell! I mean, sub fifty thousand. No, but yeah, I, I mean, crikey! What's the downside here? Well, I mean, obviously it's going to be ruinous. Well, living run. with a Bentley is the downside in that you know every, everything is going to cost a lot of money. I mean, didn't um, Chris Monkey Harris? Uh, I have one of these. Maybe he still has. I was just about to say that to you. I think he still got it because he had a Rolls Phantom for some reason, and I, I didn't get all the details, but I get the impression that it was it was a bit of a liability. Uh, yeah, um, didn't it have something like a fuel pump needed doing, and it was like twelve thousand pounds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And right. so, so we just put a J two Z in it, and that was that. I've just messaged TV's Chris Harris um, and asked him if he's still got his Mulsanne. We're just doing like live. Oh, this is so interactive, isn't it? I'm looking up Auto yeah. Trader. I'm messaging Harris. Um, Throw another question in the pot and stir. Yeah, okay, we'll come back to that. But yeah, I think we've got so David McCarty. What's the car that will make you look the most well off for a price of an average German saloon? German saloons can cost just under forty-seven grand, and for that money, you could have a Bentley Mulsanne. You really could. So, yeah. Question go. answered. You'd have to drive it wearing a top hat, um, right? Uh, Blaymeister asks, "How about going down the rabbit hole of unidentifiable rattles and noises in cars?" I feel that's a rich oh my gosh. The, the, my, my dad had a classic one of the when um, 
when I bought him and my mum a Volvo T5, um, not long after I started working on the TV, this makes me sound like I was really wealthy. Trust me, it wasn't. So it was 2006. My mum and dad needed a new car. I bought them a second-hand was it mid 90s 1995 I think Volvo T5 auto because they wanted an auto they'd never owned a Volvo but I know they liked them so I found a pretty good condition one um, and <clears throat> went and fetched it silver uh, black leather lots of toys fastest car first turbo car my dad had ever owned and loved it mm. my mum loved the heated seats and all that jizzle but as i was driving it home i noticed just i drove it down to them in somerset which is a couple hundred miles i noticed when i braked sometimes i could hear like a clack like a plastic clack so that's a very odd so i looked at when, when i got to mum and dad's and presented it to them with its fresh mot and discs and pads i um I didn't say anything. And then over a couple of weeks later, he said, there's a really, I said, I've, I've vacuumed it out and I've had a really good look around it and it's lovely. It does make a strange noise here and there. Okay. Fast forward about two years, it's still doing it, even though my dad's mm. like taken the seats out of the car and all sorts because <laughs> my dad does that. <laughs> you know those, when you're sitting in the back of a car and you where your feet go into the footwell, you know there's, there's like galleries of uh, ventilation tubes Yes, and, and outlets for the for the car. Yeah. Okay, it turns out I remember now. I bought the car off a guy that enjoyed golf. <laughs> there were three golf balls that had gone in there, and like one of those weird like games that you play as a kid, like the maze games with the marble in the maze. It, yeah, they'd they'd gone God. in they'd gone into these gallery of of of, of heater outlets, <laughs> and never come out. So when you went round a certain corner or put the brakes on, three golf balls just randomly clacked together or clacked left or clacked right. And it was so... Now now that he eventually found what they were, it was like, of course it is. It's just two golf balls clacking together. And it's like, bloody hell. It went on for ages. It's oh, like, but the relief of, of solving that. It's like <laughs> how you've got something stuck in your teeth and it finally comes free. There's no greater oh, relief in life than... That's true. Because I've got that creak in my 911 that I've never quite cracked. I think, with the help of some people online, who I, who I, I sort of put it on Twitter, and some people gave helpful suggestions, and it was, uh, I think we've traced it to the window rubbers. You know, they just get a bit old. What, and the dry? Grass is just slightly, yeah, dry. Uh, so I've yeah. moistened them. Yeah. And that's helped, but it hasn't eradicated it. And the trouble with rattles, there's two things with rattles and squeaks and things, is that, first of all, it's... it's as um, a very wise man once said to me, they throw their voice. So you think it's coming from somewhere, and it's not. Like a ventriloquist. It's a different part of the car. Yeah, exactly. It's like, what? Who did it? And also, once you tune into them, you can never tune out again. No. And that's the really bad bit. Yeah. it just drives you to... I tell you, that is actually the dis- the downside to an electric car. I found when I had my, she- mm. my Chevy Volt, it had a very, very slight suspension creak when you had it on a lock one direction. I can't remember which direction. But needless to say, in hot weather, it was much worse because everything was hotter and drier. Couldn't ever really find it. Jack, oh. Jacked the car up, got other people to drive it with me out the window, <laughs> took it to the dealer. Hot weather rather than cold weather? Yeah. I just think things get a bit brittle and 
clickety when it's cold. Yeah, it was it was it was only in hot weather. And when we had a terrifically hot summer, it just did. And because because of, of course you're driving it a lot of the time with no engine sound, it it was very mm. annoying. I remember someone telling me that when they uh, did the Nissan Leaf originally, they ended up putting a load of sound deadening. You know those sound deadening mats that they stick inside panels under the bonnets in cars. Things. Yes, yeah, and they it's got those I think behind the dash and in the doors. Like it's got quite a lot of extra sound deadening stuff that uh, that an internal combustion car wouldn't have. Precisely because this, because without engine noise, suddenly all these potential sort of just hollow rattles and drums and things are thrown to relief same reason why the leaf the original leaf they were going to use the generic wiper motor that's on all other nissans and they realized it was without internal combustion to mask it it was too noisy oh. so the leaf has a bespoke wiper motor true fact that I, but that, that is that is lovely attention to detail i'm trying to well, think good, i mean I, i've i mean yeah i've had lots of annoying i've had lots of annoying rattles and stuff and um things on on various cars i've owned but yeah sometimes the joy is in the diagnosis i i when i had my 80s audi coupe it used to periodically leak water into the boot you know it's got one of those stubby because it's a coupe it's like a stubby little it's it's a stubby stubby boot faux faux hatch it's a faux hatch and it's actually quite a big boot but the aperture's on the narrow side so i got Mm. so pissed off with this i waited till it was really dry weather had already taken out the boot carpets so it was just bare steel. And I drove round to my mate Tim's at Roadhouse and I said, Tim, this is going to be weird, but get a watering can. I'm Shut me in my own car boot and I've got two mag lights, one in my mouth and one in my hand, and pour water all over the back of the car. And we did. And we found exactly where it was. And it was very satisfying because although I was shut in the boot of my car and it was a little bit creepy, <laughs> on the, on the, I actually solved the problem once and for all. Because in winter, getting a damp car, a sort of sweaty, um, steamy car, pisses me off no end. And mm. I found, and, you, and the other thing is, these, these solutions, they're always time consuming, but ultimately cheap in terms of parts, I think. Because it Can is I just, just stop a, you there. What? Because news just in. What? From TV's Chris Harris. Has he still got his Mulsanne? Yeah, no. The answer is no. Sold it. He says he can't bring himself to recall the numbers, which... um, What, as in losses? As in, I guess, probably the amount he sold it for versus what he paid for it. However, I've just asked him, was it ruinous to run? He says, nope. He says that uh, it was tough. And I said, well, there's one for 47 grand on Autotrader. And he went, I think at that money, you'll be fine. Oh. Not, I can't. I'm not. I don't. TV's Chris Harris is starting to sound like TV's Quentin Wilson with those sorts of words. <laughs> <laughs> you'll be fine. 50 thou, you'll be fine. Oh, Safe territory. See, that's the kind of text that's not helpful in a way. <laughs> I think, oh, yes, I actually had to sell a kidney. <laughs> You go, well, Thanks. That's, that. that's cured so me it, of that affliction. Don't want a Mulsan anymore. You're going to be really honest now and just text Chris back and go, "Thanks, Chris, but actually that wasn't that helpful." And then leave it. <laughs> I might continue this conversation when we've um, when we finish recording, and next week we can talk about my new Mulsan. Oh. Um, right. Anyway, we should wrap this up in a minute. I just want to mention this one. It's not even a question, really, but I just thought this is this is so up your street. Um, it's from um, uh, someone whose username is. Angie or Angie 733 uh, concept to explore they say Magnum PDI 
a particularly scrupulous <laughs> individual who works at a Vauxhall garage in the 80s. <laughs> Magnum PDO. Magnum PDO, I thought that was That's, fantastic. That is brilliant. And is it Vauxhall because there was a Vauxhall Magnum, wasn't there? Oh, I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. Oh, that, God, this is a more... He's thought about this. He's it's really thought about it. What, what was it? Was it a hot Viva? Was it a super hot Viva? Basically, yeah. Yeah, yeah. with a 2.3. Um, oh, that's great, Magnum. <laughs> so but I wonder, does he solve crimes like Magnum PI, but in between correctly setting up the headlamp alignment on a Chevette? He doesn't solve crime, Rich. Well, he just does PDIs on cars. <laughs> it's a very... It's a very different series. I, I, I know exactly what he does. He PDIs, but he also, um, at night, he goes on chat forums and helps people with niggling issues, like the ones we've just talked about with cars that, you know, you can't quite put your finger on it. Oh, it's making this rattle. And he diagnoses all of those FOC. So, oh, he's, so, so he's, he does... He's a do-gooder. Like, yeah, like Magnum PI, he kind of makes problems go away. Yes. But... But just very specific. Oh, right. He's 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 the guy who would get rid of the rattles and the squeaks. And he's the guy that would get rid of the rattles. As far as we know, he he's not a, he's not really a private investigator. Uh, less glamorous, um, and of course, uh, he lives in Luton. Of but course, of, of course. Um, in the way that Magnum really sort of put Hawaii on the map, apart from Hawaii Five O, obviously. Yeah. The way that Magnum was could only really have been based in Hawaii in a way. It sort of embodied the the, the shirts and the lifestyle of of living in Hawaii. Oh hell yeah! Magnum PDI is going to really do for Luton what Magnum did for Hawaii. Really glamorise the place, well, or draw attention to its natural glamour. I think in the same way that Magnum obviously he did lead, lead a fairly glamorous life in terms of location. What Magnum PDI has is he does have. He has. He does have a getaway um, pad. He's got a static caravan next to one of those beautiful kind of water sports gravel pits. You know, the, you, there's a there's a few of them around Bedfordshire. I, I know that. Uh, you're, yeah, you see, you're broadening it out to the general Bedfordshire area now, aren't you? Which is fine. That's 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 good. That's, it gives you more P- choice. So, and Magnum but. PDI when he needs to get away from it all, or maybe he goes there with his very thick laptop um, and sits in his static caravan. And then that's when he'll he'll work through the night, just going through, just pay thread after thread after thread of like my my signum, my Vauxhall signum um, keeps unlocking itself when I walk away. I just don't know what to do. I'm I'm on the brink of perhaps selling it. He's like, don't sell it. I think I can help you here. He knows what he's doing. Um, <laughs> Magnum, I like the Magnum, Magnum PDI. PDI. We've never talked about our our common fascination with. People who have very thick laptops. <laughs> I, I can't remember whether we talked about it on a video before or what, but I remember you bringing it up when we were sitting eating crisps in a services or something, and I couldn't stop laughing. In fact, I think there might have been a guy at the services sitting, yeah, sitting well, in his car. You only ever see them in motorway service areas, and occasionally on trains, but mainly <laughs> motorway service areas. I guarantee anyone listening to this, go to a motorway service area. I know things are a bit different at the moment, but... But as as we return to some kind of normality, hopefully, go to a motorway service area. I guarantee there will always be someone. It's usually a man on an incredibly thick laptop, like an oversized laptop. And you go, mate, they can make them so thin it could fit in an A4 envelope now. What yeah. are you doing? Yeah. Oh, this is like the Antichrist of MacBook Air. Yes. This is like, in fact, I've got, can you listen to this? 
I've got a tape measure, and I'm going to give you a, a sort of general reference point of girth of um, of laptop. I'm going to say if a laptop is thicker than five centimeters, mm-hmm. I mean that is quite thick. Okay, I might go That's down. Quite to, thick. I might go down to four. <laughs> if it's thicker than four centimeters. There's trouble yeah. because those are CD yeah, but, laptops, but, aren't they? CD as in compact disc, or CD as in something is the shifty. Is m- going I think on. shifty, murky. I think you, I think shifty, shifty. Yeah, because it's it's, it's, yeah. it's old style laptop casing. There's probably numerous software updates and hardware updates, but oh my god, do you think there's someone who's got like on their internet browser they've got 409 windows open at the same time? You just go, what are you doing? No, that's by no, your. And describing- then you grumble about how it doesn't work properly. It's because he's desperately trying to render like over 400 web pages at once. You weirdo. I think you've just described my father. Unfortunately, when I, when I go onto his computer, honestly, that. You can scroll along the the, oh, the, the amount of windows oh, open oh, and oh, keep oh, scrolling. You go, these are not chapters uh, in a book, Dad. You just bookmark them and get rid of them. The, the computer is like wheezing. The fan is on full bore the whole time. You know, like the equivalent of auto kick down. The fan is just going. <laughs> Fans in sport mode. It's holding a lot of revs. <laughs> Well, this is a good note to end it on. Actually, no, I'll give you a note to end it on. A, a troubling note that will haunt the rest of my day is a final message from TV's Chris Harris, who says servicing on his Mulsanne was, he thinks, about a grand. So That doesn't know. sound too bad for a car it that was... It doesn't sound too bad nearly... for a car that was 200 grand. I was yeah, going to say. I know. Wow. Someone's going to have to talk me down from this. Anyway... Um, this has been um, interesting and productive. I'm sorry we didn't get through uh, as many questions as we might have hoped. If you did send in a question, we'll, we'll keep these on file, as people say, and we'll do another answering of your questions soon. Uh, in the meantime, uh, thank you for listening to Smith & Smith. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Leave us a review or something. Oh, yeah. I like reading them. They're really nice. And uh, and also, uh, all our reviews are real, unlike some other podcasts I've been looking at recently, who uh, oh. should be getting, <laughs> oh. uh, getting their mates to write reviews and not very convincingly. Um, so there's that. Uh, Johnny's Car Pervert YouTube channel has some interesting stuff on it, as always. And uh, I'm going to promote a different book this week. What? Instead of the Get out. instead of my boring car trivia, um, I, I would encourage you to please go and buy How to Be a Motoring Journalist by the fictional character Roy Lanchester, who embodies the worst <laughs> of car journalists' excesses, and his sort of autobiography, uh, which I wrote a couple of years ago, is still available as a book or an ebook on Amazon. I thank you. I uh, ditto to all of the things that Richard's just said. <laughs> and, uh, and, 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 and uh, just ditto. Please, please rate this podcast and leave a constructive comment. That that those things are valuable. Thank you very they much really indeed. Are, and we enjoy reading them. Um, and uh, we will see you again for more of this yeah. next week. Unlike Joe Wicks, we're not going to stop because of because we're tired. Yeah, exactly, Joe. Yeah, half a job, Wicks. We're, we're carrying on. We're going to keep doing a podcast every Monday. Even in winter, we're going to do it. It's going to be that tough. That's the level of dedication that you can expect from Smith & Sniff. But for now, <laughs> goodbye. Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? 
elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.